Well, good evening. And if you're watching online or you're in the fellowship hall, I want to say welcome to you also. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine that was visiting from Washington a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about how she knows when her service is, 7 o'clock in the morning. She turns on her computer and she um, gets it onto her TV and she watches church and she's part of it. And then there have been times when I've been sick or I've been on vacation and I'll watch the services online and I'll see people that are coming on and that's actually their church service. They'll actually say hi, Pastor Sheldon, or hi to someone else that's on the thing. And they're getting to hear the word of God. And what I love about that is that when we do that, church is not just here in this building on a Sunday or on a Wednesday, but we're actually getting to reach out beyond our community, actually into other states, and they're getting to hear the word of God that way. And I'm so grateful for your hearts to give because, because of your generosity and your heart, we're able to do things like that so that we take the gospel, we take the hope of Jesus, we take them beyond these walls, and we live them in our community but also people in different states and on different islands get to hear the word of God. They get hope and they know that there is um, a future for them and they know there's something much better. So I want to thank you for giving and being part of what God is doing in our nation and in our world. Now, if you're here for the first time, don't feel like you have to give. That's not something that's required. You get to if you want to, but you don't have to. If you're from another church, we understand that your um, tithes and offerings go there. But if you're part of New Hope, and this is where we get to say to God, you know what? I want to be part of what you're doing. I love that our messages are going out on live. I love that we get to live this out in our community. And so I want to partner with you in what you're doing. And so I'm trusting you with my finances. Would you take it and use it to be a blessing? Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so very much that we get to be part of your kingdom. We get to do exactly what you've asked us to do. And so would you receive what we bring to you would you um, multiply it, Lord, and then would you use it far beyond what we can even dream or imagine and far beyond even what we're doing now. So, Lord God, we release it to you, and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Marcia. I like that shirt. Speaking of our shirts, uh, it's our SALT conference coming up, and that's why we're rocking these shirts tonight. So if you want to get one, it's in the fellowship hall for, I, I don't even know the cost yet, so forgive me on that one, but... Uh, we are getting ready for our SALT conference coming up in October. And the SALT conference uh, is so that we as a church can strengthen one another or be strengthened by the Lord so that we can add flavor to the earth. I mean, if you're going to eat food, you want food that has flavor. You don't want it to be, you know, uh, flavorless. You want to have some flavor. And SALT adds flavor. And we use SALT as an acrostic, serving and learning together. And the Bible talks about SALT, that you don't lose your savor. Because once you lose your savor, how does it become tasty again? And we are the people of God who when we go out into the world and we love on people, that's, that's the flavor and the seasoning that God uses in the world because the world needs the love of God and the world needs hope. So if you have this when you came in, this will let you know what the conference is all about. You can use your smartphone to scan that in. I, I believe, I'm not sure if it's only iPhones or if an Android phone needs an app. All I know is the iPhone, you just use your camera and then you scan it in and then you can register uh, through that way too. We're just trying to make it easier for everyone to register. Uh, if you don't want to go this route and you're not the digital person, then you can do it through our information center or resource center and you can do it manually with pen and paper. That's fine too. Uh, we want to provide different avenues on, on how you can register. And the purpose of our SALT conference is to equip all of us 
so that as we serve God together, more people can come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So if you serve, this conference is for you. If you're thinking about serving, this conference is for you. If you never thought about serving, this conference is for you because it will help you to understand why we serve God and what kind of benefits come from serving him as well as the, the results of serving God because we don't just come here and then do stuff. We serve in the kingdom of God for an eternal value and that eternal value has to do with a person's soul. We always say that we try to reach people far from God one relationship at a time and so when it comes to the SALT conference, we get to recalibrate our hearts. We get to once again see the heart and vision of the church. As well as if you're interested in a certain area, then you get to see kind of behind the scenes on what takes place too. So I want to encourage you to pray and ask God if you get to be a part of it and, and jump in. Because serving God, there, there's no greater joy than to serve God. We were created to serve him. And we're in a series on Sunday morning uh, talking about why is it so important or what's so important about serving God. So just think about it and, and how you get to serve. And normally the things that will come to our mind are reasons why we are not able to serve. But I would just go on the side of our salvation, why God saved us. And he didn't just save us to get us to heaven. Otherwise, we'd be dead the moment we receive him as Lord and Savior. If that was his only goal, then that would have been accomplished on the day of salvation. But God wants to do so much more through our lives and I think for Heidi and I, Heidi is my wife, that when we started serving, it changed everything about our marriage. It changed everything about our relationship because now we were among the servants and we were learning from God how to be servants and how we are to serve God and serve other people. So I want to encourage you to really, really think it through and, and be a part of it. You might not be able to make all of the days. We are kicking off on our Wednesday night. And the Wednesday night is open to everyone. So if you want to get a little taste of just what the conference is all about, come to that Wednesday night. It's like our Wednesday night service that we have, but it'll kick off the conference and you'll, you'll kind of see what it would look like. And then you can make the decision if you want to be there Thursday and Friday also. So take this. It is Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, October 23rd, 24th, and 25th, and the schedule is on this. If you don't have one of these, you can pick one of, uh, one of these up at our information center. Okay. We're good. All of that with 10 breaths. Okay, we're going to be talking tonight about some disciplines because I know we all love disciplines. We all love it when we discipline ourselves for certain things. Some of us may look at a discipline and say, I don't, I don't, I don't have certain disciplines in certain areas. That's okay. That's why it's called discipline. Discipline doesn't come naturally. You have to learn that. You have to practice it. And we've been in this series, The Path to Discipline Prayer, and we've been talking about prayer over the past couple of weeks. God thought of everything. When he created us, he thought of how we would communicate with him, that nothing would impede our connection with God except our unwillingness to connect with him. But he created this way for us to connect with him even though we may not see him, even though we don't feel him or sense him, he created a way for us to stay connected to him. And the practice of prayer takes a lot of discipline. But also with prayer comes this other word that it almost like, um, like both of them together activated. Like it just brings power from the Holy Spirit. And the word is fasting. Fasting. Not running like fast. It's 
you're abstaining from certain foods or food altogether for a certain time period. And we're going to look at that. Because when it comes to prayer joined with fasting, there is power that comes not just in us, but also through us. And it's not just for us as an individual that we somehow get this energy from God. It is actually him. Because fasting unto God is all about him. It's not getting something from God. It's not trying to move God into action. It's really aligning ourselves with the potential of his power through applying his principles of obedience as we participate in prayer and fasting. It really comes back to him. In the book of Acts chapter 13 verses 2 and 3, it tells us that as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Paul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So uh, Barnabas and, and, and Paul saw at this time, both of them were being used by the Lord, but something needed to happen in order for them to be effective. It wasn't just praying over them and then sending them out. There was a specific way that they did this. They fasted and prayed, laid hands on them. Why? Because of the work for which God called them. Now we got to catch this. God has called us all to a certain work. He's prepared us. He's given us gifts and talents. He's even given us vision for certain works for the kingdom of God. Fasting and prayer comes in when we understand that we have a calling for our life. And we can forget very easily that fasting doesn't generate some kind of energy on our behalf as a means to, uh, of earning something from God. Like we, we really don't deserve anything, but God gave us everything. And some people ask, you know, is, is fasting even relevant today? Because I read it in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament and some in the New Testament. Does it even, does it even relate to us today like how it did in the Bible times? Well, fasting is actually a part of a Christian's life. Jesus even talked about it. This is his words in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. It says, Then the disciples of John came to him, asking, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. Can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. In other words, Jesus is giving them an illustration of when the bridegroom is there, everyone's okay. Everyone's fine. But if the bridegroom is no longer there and, and not with them, wouldn't that now be like things are not going well? But for me... When I'm taken away from you, and he's talking about when he ascended into heaven, now you're going to be able to fast. Why? Because while I'm with you, you're okay. While I'm with you, walking with you, things are going to be okay. But when the days, are, when the days come that I am not here, that's when you begin. Because that's when you're going to be able to see the greater works that I promised you. Jesus even said, you're going to do greater works than I have. And if you read the scriptures, Jesus did some great works. So if we look at our lives and we're thinking, nothing good is happening. I go back to what Jesus promised us. And he said, you're going to do greater things than me. And then go back to the promises of God. And it may include fasting and prayer. It just very well may be that. See, Jesus makes a promise. 
And his promise is, when I am gone, you shall fast. You shall do great things. See, every single one of us can learn this discipline of fasting and the importance of it and how to practice it by following what the Bible says about fasting. And we're going to look at a couple of things. The first is the focus of fasting is the Lord. That's, that's, that's the focus. When it comes to fasting, it is the Lord. I remember the first time I started fasting, I wasn't focusing on the Lord. You know what I was focusing on? How long is this going to take? Like the first hour is brutal because you know you're fasting. You know you're not going to be able to eat. And the first time I fasted, I went, I went hardcore. I went, I went three days. I was thinking, that's spiritual. Like they told me, just do 24 hours or a meal. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to do three days. First hour, I'm like, oh, I like eat bananas. Like I want to eat something, just something to satisfy my hunger. The first day, the whole day was, was difficult. But then the second day, I began to understand a little bit better that this is the struggle. There's a hunger, physical hunger, that I'm dealing with, and I'm focusing on when this is finished versus focusing on the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, it says, I have been in labor and hardship. This is Paul the apostle. He's saying, I've been in hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Paul himself, he, he exercised the importance of fasting and prayer. He often went without food, but he didn't do it through a calendar system. He didn't follow a tradition or schedule it. He was led by the Holy Spirit because Paul was more concerned about rightness when it came to fasting rather than the ritual of it. And he wanted to do things well. And some do it as a tradition, and it doesn't devalue their decision of doing that. It just, that's their decision. Yet at the same time, it doesn't make you less of a Christian if you don't participate in certain traditions. So the question becomes, then when, when should I fast? You know, some people do it on Wednesdays. Some people do it on Fridays. Some people do it one meal a week. So really the, the answer is when you are led by the Holy Spirit. Because that's where the obedience is going to come in. It's when the Holy Spirit speaks it to us. The discipline of fasting is not so that we force or demand our body into submission into this hunger thing so that we obey the Lord. Fasting is it, it, it's out of an active revelation uh, from God, from his word, of how we are to participate in fasting so that it's unto him, not because I'm trying something or I want to be super spiritual or that my friends are doing it or this, this trend is going through social media that now I'm going to fast with everyone. No, no, it should come as a revelation from God through his spirit because that's what fasting is all about. It's always unto the Lord. If you think of the Old Testament, the Old Testament, they fasted, they prayed. Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it tells us, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. In other words, the Bible is saying, even the things that we are learning from the Old Testament can be applied today. Why? Because those things were written so that we could learn today. It's almost like keeping record of when we make mistakes. Not so that we keep a record of mistakes, but we keep a record of, boy, I, 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 I got to do that better. And the Old Testament gives us some wisdom when it comes to fasting and prayer. So we're going to take a look at the Old Testament of how that takes place. But it's always unto the Lord. 
It's always unto the Lord. Our fasting is always to the Lord. That's our focus. The second thing is that fasting can be done in critical situations. There was a, I think it was Aladdin, the, the, the cartoon version. You know, that, that the evil guy Jafar, he said, he said, desperate times come for desperate measures. And it was, it was like, when it comes down to it, when, when, when it's desperate times, you think of whatever you can do to change the situation. That's kind of what fasting looks like. If, if you're a believer and you're in the word of God and you're praying, you're worshiping, you're attending church, and you're, you're asking God for change and things aren't happening, it could very well be fasting that pushes us to another level of growth, of, of situations, because it's, a, it's now a, a seriousness of saying to God, I am, I am serious about this, Lord. I really, want to, uh, I really want my relationship with you to be the very best and that my potential would be maximized. And so I want to fast unto you. Here's what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 12, that they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the people of the Lord and the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. Now this is Saul, King Saul, not to be... Uh, mixed up with Saul in the New Testament who became Paul. This is King Saul, the first king of Israel. And Saul and Jonathan, who is his son, the heir to the throne, are now dead in the battle. So David, who becomes the king eventually, he takes time to fast and seek God because of this entire situation. And the significance is that the wisdom of humbling yourself in the face of defeat captures God's attention. Rather than getting angry at God, David humbled himself before God and said, we're going to fast and we're going to pray. So how do we apply this to our personal life when we feel we're defeated or we've been defeated and we feel that we were not able to accomplish anything more or we feel that we're not able to progress anymore? Well, again, major situations are best tackled by the preparation of fasting and prayer. When fasting is involved, it changes a lot. When the Jews were returning from exile, they needed to prepare themselves because they were coming back to, to worship in the temple and they had to renew some things and do things different than what they were doing before. And in the book of Ezra, chapter 8, verse 21, he writes, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for us, our little ones, and all our possessions. You know, what is interesting is that Ezra didn't just focus on today and what he needed to do today. He also focused on future generations, our little ones. And fasting and prayer was a part of it. Ezra didn't have the boldness to seek out help from the rulers and ask for soldiers for protection as they were going back home on their journey. He just didn't have the boldness because he thought, well, if I ask for help, then it's going to seem like I don't trust God and his protection. Because everyone is saying, wow, what a, what a great God. He's, he's, he's protecting you. He's doing all these things. And if Ezra asked for help, then it would seem like, oh, God isn't available to them. So instead of Ezra just not being bold enough, he prays, he seeks God, and he fasts and prays for God's protection and guidance for their future. And for the, the future generations. He wanted to be on the same page with where God was at. In the book of Psalms, it says in Psalm 126 verses 2 and 3, 
that we are filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. So Ezra doesn't want to let this news that is spreading go to waste. And so instead of Ezra trying to manufacture the continuation of the joy that they have, even though they're sensing, boy, we're, we need protection along the way home. Even though he's sensing that, he still had to turn to God. God was his protection. God was his, his fortress. But he doesn't just pray to God and say, God, I, I need your protection. I, you know, keep me safe. He fasts and prays, and he has everyone else fast and pray. It changes everything. It, it does something to a situation that has gone bad. And even when things don't look so great, fasting and prayer makes a difference. Why? Because it's who we're fasting to. We're fasting unto the Lord. That's our focus. And any situation that comes up as difficult as it is, God sees and God also can see the answer. And he can provide the result or the answer that can solve the problems that we face. Now, God may sometimes change the situation or help with the situation, or he might very well just change us. But things do change when we fast and pray to God. Things happen in the heavenlies. With Esther, the story of the life of Esther, this is a crucial story in the Jewish history or the, the, the Jewish people and their history and what was happening in their life and their nation. And when Esther found that the Jews and their, their, their culture and their history and, and them as a people were on the line, Esther had to make some difficult decisions. And in Esther chapter 4, verse 16, she says, go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Because she had to do something. She said, do not, ink, uh, do not, ink, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. So this was, a, this was a, a mandatory one. This one was big because of annihilation of their entire race. She said, I and my maidens will also fast in the same way. And thus I will go to the king which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. She was going to go to uh, King Xerxes and say, you know, this is happening. There's a conspiracy going on and, and all of my people are going to be wiped out. And so she had to stand on behalf of her people. And she did. And her life was on the line. But more than that, she looked at her, her entire nation that was on the line. And so she said, this is not just prayer. We need to fast and pray. The moment that she was facing was more than just a political uh, difficulty. It was more than just a, a prayer or, or, or some type of uh, difficulty that they were facing. It's also a satanic attack. I mean, just think about trying to annihilate God's chosen people. You know the enemy is behind it. And so I know sometimes we don't, sometimes we give too much credit to the enemy. But there are times where we need to discern when it is the enemy. And that's where fasting and prayer comes in. Esther begins the fast as well as interceding and petitions the king on behalf of her people, the Jews. The people are fasting. She's fasting. Everything is at stake. And God saves them from everything. He saves them all. If you look at the life of Daniel, Daniel's life is an amazing life. And if you read the book of Daniel... Uh, I mean, there are so many key components that we can take from the life of Daniel. But one that, that is probably one of the most important, especially uh, for the Jews and the nation of Israel, was when Daniel prayed in Daniel chapter 9. 
Because Daniel was noticing that the 70 years of desolation or the difficulties and the struggles that Israel was going through, the prophecy of the 70 years, Daniel looked at it and said, wait a minute, the 70 years are coming to an end, but nothing's happening. So Daniel begins to seek God with fasting and prayer. And in Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, it was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. And during the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes, which was a sign of I, this, is, this, is, uh, this is not good. And it was an act of crying out. Daniel chapter 10 verse 1 says that in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood the vision concerned events, cert, uh, events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. So Daniel was a visionary. He could sense these things. He knew what was happening. So the question is this, do you sense what's happening in your life and in your family? Can you sense when God is moving, when the devil attacks, when you're not moving, when you're complacent? Can you sense that? Because Daniel could sense it, and Daniel fasted and prayed. Why? Because now it was, it was in that season of this is a very difficult thing, so I, I need to fast and pray. It's not just about prayer anymore. I got to go a little bit deeper. Fasting is not a hunger strike. It's not putting ourselves to the test it's not protesting God's sovereignty or his ability to help or to move. There are dark spiritual powers that are there when it comes to fasting and prayer. And dark spiritual powers are resisted and broken when we fast and pray. Evil is broken when we fast and pray. And God's purpose was released and a prophetic promise was fulfilled in the 70 years of desolation. And the promise of the termination of Israel's captivity from the Babylonians came to an end. They were no longer exiles. Can you imagine what could happen if you and I, who may have been exiled from God's promises, begin to fast and pray once again to return to the promises of God? Imagine the promises we don't know of. The promises that may have left us because of certain things that that we never took notice of or we couldn't discern in our lives. And God says, my promises are still there. Are you willing to fast and pray to return as exiles from the promises that I had for you? Because he has them there. The focus of, of fasting is unto the Lord. Fasting can be done in critical situations, and difficult times. The third thing is that fasting with prayer has the power to break evil. It has the power to break evil. We live in an evil world. I mean, and, and, and I used to think, God, why don't you just wipe out everything that is evil? And he said, well, I'm going to have to start with you because there's evil in you. I said, okay, let's rethink that then. Well, what else can we do? And he says, that, that's why I came to die for you. I came to, to pay the price for your sins so that you could live for me. Otherwise, you, you're just going to be led by the evil of your heart, and you're just going to try to do good things, but you can't do enough good to equal salvation. So let me take care of salvation, and let me, 
through your fasting and prayer, break evil that's happening around you and in your family or, or even in the workplace. In Mark chapter 9, verses 28 and 29, afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him this question. Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, oh, this kind can be cast out only by prayer and fasting. This, that, that's the only way that this kind can come out. It's only through prayer and fasting. What Jesus was saying is it, it, it requires a little bit more. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples about a problem they were unable to solve. They just could not solve the problem. And Jesus gives them an accurate way of solving this problem, prayer and fasting. See, when Jesus teaches, he's teaching us that we don't earn anything from God, but we will learn from God. And he's going to teach us even during our prayer times and fasting. And Jesus makes it clear that fasting with prayer holds a supernatural power that breaks evil. It can only come out this way. It's prayer and fasting. There's also another question is, uh, how, how, how long do I fast? Like, is it just one meal, three meals, one day, five days? How, how do I do this? Well, only the Holy Spirit can really direct you uh, regarding the length of your fasting. But we also need to take some practical things into consideration. Because for some people, they look at the life of Jesus and they say, you know, Jesus fasted for 40 days. So maybe I should be just like Jesus and fast for 40 days. Well, just slow down just a little bit. 40 days. Just start with four hours. Just like, you know, baby steps. Just start there. And we have to remember that when Jesus did this, he was away in the wilderness. Now, not taking away credit from what Jesus did, but Jesus wasn't working from day to day. He didn't have children. He wasn't married. He didn't have all of these responsibilities. He went into the wilderness to pray. He was heavily focused. So don't just think, oh, I'm going to do 40 days. I'm going to be spiritual. I'm going to come back like Jesus. And then 40 days later, you're like, you pray, you pray for me in the hospital with IVs. And it was like day four. So Jesus, the way he did, there was, again, it has to be led by the Holy Spirit. You got to listen to the Lord. Jesus was able to do what he did because there was a, there was a specific thing that the, that the Lord was doing, that the Spirit was doing. The Bible says he was led into the wilderness and then he returned in the power of the spirit. So we need to be spirit led when it comes to the length of fasting. Daniel fasted for 21 days. And we know it as the Daniel fast. But the Bible says in Daniel chapter 10 verse 3 that I did not eat any tasty food. Or some versions say delicacies or the king's choice, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth. Nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire 3 weeks were completed. So Daniel voluntarily gave up certain amounts of food to bring in. He, he ate less and denied himself of the delicacies or the exotic foods of what it was at that time. Yet he still was able to eat for nutrition and energy. Because we need to be cautious when it comes to fast and we, we have to know ourselves well. Medically, uh, diet-wise, we need to know how our bodies are made up. So before you fast, you need to talk to your doctor. And don't get all spiritual and say, no, I don't need to talk to the doctors. Jesus is my doctor. Yes, he is. He also gave you a brain to use for someone who has medical experience. So really talk to your doctor 
because they're going to help you with that. Someone who may have uh, diabetic problems, you need to eat. But you can do it in a special way because God will look always at your heart. Then you can always say, Lord, I want to fast. However, here's where the medical side is. So can you teach me how to do a, just a spiritual fast and, and maybe look at my diet and how I can do this because I still want to be a part of fasting and prayer. And talk to your doctor. They can help you with how to do that. They'll give you practical wisdom. But also remember, your body needs water. Your body needs water. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. And he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. This is when Jesus said to the devil, you know, it is written, it is written, it is written. And the Bible doesn't say that Jesus didn't go without water. It just says that he didn't eat anything. And for some people, if you're fasting and you're drinking water, sometimes people will put like a little bit of lemon just for that, you know, that added energy and little zing to it. Uh, you may be in that category. You just need to consult your doctor and say, what would this look like? Also, there should be no condemnation when you're fasting that someone would come along and say, you know, you should be fasting like this or this is how it's done. You go to the scripture and there are certain books that will help. Uh, in learning about fasting. But at the same time, there shouldn't be any condemnation because Jesus said that, or the Bible says that, that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You should also not feel condemned if your spouse is and they want you to fast and you feel guilty. That, oh man, if I don't fast with them, then, then I'm going to look bad or they're going to feel that I'm not supporting them. No, if the Lord is asking your spouse to fast and not you, you both have to be okay with it. We can't force people to fast. It has to be led by the Spirit. That's where discipline comes in. Because I know we want the very best for all of us. And the Bible says the two are one. So we're thinking, if I fast, you need to fast. No, no, no. If you fast and you're hearing the Lord, let that other person hear the Lord too. Because you don't want to be in obedience and your spouse be in disobedience. Because the two are one. So you want to both be in obedience to Christ. And so when you're fasting and you're praying, make sure that it's the Lord speaking to you personally. If you do it as a married couple, just be on the same page with the Lord together. In our notes, if you're using the church app, we have some fasting tips. And uh, these are just some tips to help when you're fasting. And if you're just writing notes, this is fine. Or if you just want to remember it. When you're fasting, set a special time of prayer. Because it's not just abstaining from food or certain foods. Prayer needs to be involved with it, that you're seeking God. Fasting should be joined to special times of prayer or praise or intercession. You're interceding for certain things or someone. You're standing in the gap or on behalf of someone or something like how Esther did. She was standing in the gap, interceding for her people. You might be fine as a believer, things are going well, but so-and-so is struggling or, or maybe your family or, or some member of the family is struggling. Maybe you sense evil around and things aren't, things aren't clicking in your family and you're thinking, Lord, I, I feel, I sense you calling me to fast and pray. Then you intercede, but you take time out. Even set five minutes time in the day and while you're fasting and say, this is the time I'm going to take to pray to you, Lord. And then take that break each hour or devote lunchtime or, or something. Just, just set a specific time of prayer or even praise. 
you know, technology, I truly believe that God is behind the best technologies to be used for him. It's mankind that we don't use it for God. But I really believe that when God gives us ideas to invent something to better mankind, it's to be used for him. And when we use it for him and his glory, not, not just only for him. I know we have to talk to each other, but we can use it for the Lord that he has given us ways to listen to music that has lyrics in them that are worshipful. And we can, we can have that music with us all the time. You can put in your earphones and you can listen to music. Even just one song throughout the day. Set a time where you can, you can praise God even with music. Or if you go walking, just walk and praise God. Talk to him, pray with him. Set that time, even if it's five minutes. So set that time of prayer. Or as, as well as when fasting, spend extended time in the word of God. Some of us will do our devotions. We'll be in the word of God. And we'll journal and we'll pray and we'll read. But when you're fasting, just extend it a little bit. And take extra time to be in the word of God. Psalm chapter, uh, Psalms 19 verses 9 and 10. It says that reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. That the laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. I like honey. I like honey on like acai bowls. I'll, I'll have honey with like yogurt and stuff like that or things like that. But there was this one time that I gave my grandson honey because he was coughing. And I thought, I wonder if honey, because of the, the enzymes or whatever are the key things in honey. I heard it was, you know, there's some cool things in it. So I thought maybe it's going to help him. So I grab, grabbed a spoonful of, of pure honey. This is from a farm. And I just took a scoop. And my grandson, Jaden, was coughing for a long time. And I said, you know, Jaden, take some of this honey. He goes, what is that? I said, it's honey. It's from the beehive. It's going to be good. So he never tried it before. So he tried it. He put it in his mouth. And he swallowed it. And he's like, <laughs> and he wanted to throw up. But he wasn't coughing anymore. <laughs> now, the Bible says that it's, that's what he told me. He said, Baba, that thing is the worst thing ever. I said, yeah, but you're not coughing. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's so gross. I said, but you're not coughing. Look at what it did. It, I don't know if it healed him. It did something. Maybe he was so focused on not throwing up that his brain switched mechanisms. But I thought, it says it's sweeter than honey. So even the honey dripping from a comb. In other words, whatever honey does, the word of God does even exponentially better. The word of God is, is sweeter than that. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus says, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. And this is Jesus speaking to the devil. He says, no, no, no. Yeah, I understand that's what the word says, but listen to what it also says. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I would pray this, that we would value the word of God. That we would see the word of God as, as, as food for our soul. So that when we're fasting and praying, as we're reading the word of God and we extend that time with the Lord, it's feeding our soul. That it's going to do things in our soul that we wouldn't even recognize. But it's doing something. We, won't, we may not even see it, but it's doing something. And it's strengthening us. And it could possibly be that, that the Lord is strengthening us today for something that's going to happen tomorrow, five days from now, five weeks, five years. 
Who knows that if my marriage is saved because I spent time in the word of God 20 years from now. Maybe today what God gave to me is going to come to pass 20 years from now. We can trust his word. That's what Jesus means, that every, every word that comes out of the mouth of God, that's how we live. That's true life. It's also when fasting, keep it between you and the Lord. Just keep it between you and the Lord. It's very tempting to say, yeah, I'm fasting today. You know, I'm just trying to, you know, get this and get that, get that. You're going to sense that. But to not let people know that you're fasting, it's almost like the reward is far greater. Because you're not letting anyone know. It's not for anybody else to know. Now, you need to let your spouse know if you're at home. Because they'll be cooking dinner and be like, ah, I'm not hungry. What, I made all of this dinner? No, I'm not eating tonight. You will fight. So just up front, just say, honey, I'm going to fast for the next day or two or whatever, whatever it's going to be. Then at least you're all on the same page. And then as a spouse, don't be grabbing ice cream and going, oh, this is so good. You know, that's like, that's, that's mean. Then they're going to have to fast for you because that's evil. So support one another. Be there for each other. Which is pretty amazing because this one, when you're done fasting, then you can tell people afterwards because it's done. So this one time I'm fasting, I, I, I kid you not, for some reason, there are so many food commercials and advertisements and in, on YouTube videos, a Burger King commercial would come. I'm like, I've never seen a Burger King commercial. What is beef jerky doing on the ad right next to, I have never seen this. Like the, the Whopper doesn't look that good, does it? All of these commercials coming out, and I'm thinking, why is, it, why is it when I'm fasting, all of these food commercials come out? But really, those commercials were always there. It's just we weren't that hungry. So your hunger sensitivity is heightened. So just letting you know, just giving you a heads up, just let it be between you and the Lord. Because even people... If they know you're fasting, they're going to they're, they're gonna have a difficult time because if they know you're fasting, then they're going to, as they're eating, they're going to be, oh, I'm so sorry. Now the attention is on the food and, and now the whole situation is, do I still eat because I'm sorry my friend is not eating? What do I do? I want to give you a bite. So it's an awkward situation. Just don't say anything. In fact, the Bible even tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. Like, what's the matter, Sheldon? You look kind of, oh, I'm fasting. I fast, oh, fasting unto the Lord. Yeah, I'm going through some spiritual, you know, overhaul. Jesus said, that, that right there, that's your reward. What, what someone looked at you as is like, oh, wow, you're fasting to the Lord. Oh, wow, precious. That's your reward. That's all you're going to get. But what Jesus is saying is, you, you will be tempted to be like the hypocrites because of our flesh and because of our sin nature, because of our humanity, that that's going to happen. He's saying, I'm warning you beforehand, just don't let anyone know. Just let it be between you and me. What Jesus was reminding us of is that the nourishment really is not going to come from food. Look at our food today. 
We think we're getting good nourishment from certain foods. Nice label, looks like it's healthy. And then you read the ingredients, it's like, what is that? We don't even know what we're eating. So aside from that, because I don't want to get into the whole, you know, GMO war, Jesus said it like this. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. We learn through Jesus that many things that Jesus does is opposite. The kingdom of God is opposite. So it can almost read, if it's not the word of God, that our food is to do our own will and to accomplish our own work. Jesus says, no, 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 you got to turn that around. The food that we should be eating, the nourishment that we should have that comes from our obedience to God is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My prayer tonight is that we would all learn the discipline of fasting so that our food is to do the will of him who has sent us and to accomplish his work. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Let's close our Bibles, put our notes, and let's pray. I invite Jamie to the keyboard. And if you're fasting tonight, we'll pray especially for you because I was talking about food, so I apologize for that. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, we're so thankful that we can call upon you and turn to you in time of need, uh, even in times where things aren't looking so great. And so when it comes to praying to you, we understand that. We can connect with you. We can communicate with you. But there are times where fasting comes in. And fasting will help us to break the evil that comes around us or even that, are, that is in our hearts. There are certain things that can only be broken through fasting and prayer. We also know that fasting is, is, is unto you. Our focus should be to you. That during critical situations, whatever it may look like, we sense it. We sense it when it's a critical time. That we can fast and pray to you and you hear us and you see the seriousness of it because we're fasting. So I pray for all of us, if that's something that you're calling us to do, if it's, if it's this week or, or, or coming soon, whatever it would be, that you would speak to us so that our fast is unto you and it requires discipline. So we're going to need you. But that we would put it into practice and be a people of God who, who can discern the times and even with what's happening in our own lives and family, that we would fast because it's a part of who we are as believers. Even you, Lord Jesus, you fasted, you prayed, you were led by the Spirit. So may we also be led by the Spirit when it comes to fasting. And may we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness so that as we do, as we fast and pray to you, our obedience to you would be the food that nourishes us, that our food would to do the will of you who sent us and to accomplish your great works. I thank you for this time that we get to spend together as the body of Christ, that we get to strengthen one another, believe in one another, encourage one another. I pray your blessing over each and every one here tonight, and even those who are watching through live stream, that you would be with us all. We thank you for being a wonderful God. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said together, amen, amen. Let's thank our Lord tonight.